the apostles work with the prophets. And we have therefore seen who a prophet is. He is, he or she is the mouthpiece of God. God's spokesperson. Therefore, God would train that person and eventually called him to that ministry or office. And we've realized that a number of gifts come together to constitute a prophet. It is not only one gift, but a number of gifts come together to constitute a prophet. And therefore, he can function in a special way, knowing the mind of God and explaining the terms of God's covenant with his people, his relationship with people, and uh, explaining the underlying principles of the word of God and the commandments of the word of God. These are some of the, his duties. He will speak to contemporary issues and by that also speak to the future. Sometimes they would not even know that they were speaking in the future, especially the Old Testament prophets. And God used them to cancel leaders and uh, also direct them in many ways. So we've known that they were also people of prayer. They were receiving their messages often through private prayer, praying in chambers, receiving the word of God, and then God commissioning them to go and declare it to the public. So we've known that aspect. Then we've also done the transition from the old to the new. How the gift of the prophet came into the New Testament. What I want us to continue today is how to receive a revelation. How to receive a revelation from God and then deliver it. So if you bring it to prophecy, how to receive a message from God and deliver it. Because sometimes prophecy comes in a form of revelation. Having some sort of issues included in the revelation that the person had received in order to bestow it on people. So, I want you to take cognizance of what is taking place now in order that whenever God is giving you a message, you know that yes, this is a revelation. There are five stages of revelation that I would like to explain to you. It could be more, but at least I've identified four or five. I will explain to you why I'm saying four or five later. The first aspect of God's revelation is what I term as promptings. The spirit of God comes to prompt you that there is something ahead that you need to prepare for. Some people called it enlightenment. You know, you only have a flash of light in your mind. You know, that is the prompting. Ezekiel calls it that the hand of God was upon me. Whenever he said that the hand of the Lord was upon him, then he was talking of a revelation that was ahead. That hand prepared him to be able to receive what was ahead of him. Apostle Dr. Intumi um, uses to say that 
the, the, the Lord tapped him on his shoulder. He felt somebody was tapping him. That is the sort of promptings I'm talking about. Sometimes um, the, the prompting comes to me like being before the presence of the Almighty God. You know, during my prayer, during the reading of the world or singing, then it comes to a time that I feel the very presence of God as if I had appeared physically before the very presence of God. And sometimes it brings me joy, it brings me deep solo, depending upon the revelation that follows. And once I get into that position, then I know that God wants to speak to me, God wants to show me something, God is prepared to bring a new thing to my knowledge. God deals with people differently. So your prompting may be different from my prompting. But at least you would know that the Lord wants to speak to you. And when it comes like that, you must be prepared to follow up. So the second point is what I called ideas. An idea will drop to you or a thought will come to you. Once the prompting comes and you are able to catch up, then the idea will follow. Something will drop into your mind. Now, throughout the ministration, let this be at the back of your mind. That revelations come through, through sources here. God's revelation comes through two sources. Or it is in the form of two for, uh, sources. The first source is the divine, the first source is the divine aspect. And then the second source is the human aspect. So it's divinity and humanity coming together. Divinity and humanity. The spirit of God and the person himself. So the promptings is something that is done by the spirit of God himself. It is completely the doing of the Lord. You, you, you cannot assume that you have been prompted, whereas the Lord has not prompted you. That one, you can't, you can't fake it. But then you can fake the second one. That is the idea, the thoughts that come. That one, you can fake it because that one is the human aspect. Once the divine one takes place, then the human one comes. An idea will drop, but this is not the revelation. The idea comes to tell you that, yes, God wants to do something. But you are, at the moment, not very sure of what the Lord is doing. But the idea will come, God wants to reveal something to you. God wants to give you a song. God wants to tell you something about what is going on in a church, in a nation, in a society, or in a family. But that very word has not come. So at this time, the revelation has not taken place. But once you have the light, then you yourself must prepare to receive it. So the preparation is what brings the idea. For instance, if you take Moses into consideration when he saw that light in the wilderness, he said that oh, there is something here. That light he saw was the prompting, something that the Lord brought about. But then he said, all right, let me turn aside to see. 
So the human aspect is coming. He would have to turn aside to see something that comes from him. Now, if you do not turn aside to see, the revelation may go out, off. And sometimes you may have it again because if God wants to reveal something to you, he will still reveal it to you. But from practical experience, we have seen that sometimes it will not come back. It will not come back. So being prepared to receive it is very, very important. And therefore, when you have the flash, the promptings, then you should be prepared to receive the idea and get into the spirit. You know, John said that in the last day, I was in the spirit. So he was in the spirit. This is a revelation. Chapter 1, if you come to Revelation 1, 10, you see it. Moses' experience is in Exodus 3, 1 to 3. Now, so he was in the spirit. Because he was in the spirit, when God wanted to communicate to him, he was able to grasp it. If you are not prepared at this time, it will go. Ezekiel, when he said the hand of the Lord was upon me, then he prepared to receive a message. We may read one of Ezekiel's one from Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 21 following. But we may take only 21 and 22. You can write the rest down. Ezekiel 33, 21 following from the New International Version. In the 20th year of our exile, in the 10th month on the 5th day, a man who had escaped from Jerusalem came to me and said, The city has fallen. Now the evening before the man arrived, this is what I want you to take notice. The hand of the Lord was upon me. This is the prompting. He was in the spirit praying. Then he felt that special presence of God. And then he opened my mouth before the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was open and I was no longer silent. Then the, the third one, if you come to 23, then the word of God came to me. So you realize that he had the promptings. The idea came and then God dropped the message into his spirit. Now, this area is very important. If somebody is living in sin and that promptings come, the person will not be able to pick it because the devil himself will not allow you to receive it. The devil will accuse you of all what you have done to the point that you know that you don't deserve to receive from the Lord. So, Living in sin will not help you to translate that light, that prompting into the revelation that God has given to you. And then if somebody is not um, living in sin, but is very worldly as a Christian, he or she too cannot receive the message here. Because once you are not in the spirit and the message comes, your mind will be so saturated with thoughts and things that are going on to the point that you cannot bring your thoughts to the obedience of Christ. 
Because thoughts are very, very powerful. So if a Christian lives a careless life, worldly lives, too much joking, getting into the things of the world, accusing and complaining against one another unnecessarily, living at the border of Sodom, you realize that when the Lord wants to speak to you, you cannot get it. Because the thoughts are very, very powerful. Thoughts. Most of the things that go on in the world here comes from thinking. Ideas that people develop and then promote those ideas. That is why when Paul was talking about our weapons of this world, he was not talking of physical weapons. Sometimes people take those things to be physical. And that is why you see some people using oil, some people canes, and some people under physical things. They are not physical. Shall we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 following. From the New International Version. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I read that part again. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is a very important thing. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once the obedience is complete. So, thoughts are powerful. Unless you train yourself to be able to bring your thoughts to the obedience of Christ, you cannot receive revelation. Once even the revelation is coming, your ideas will choke it. Just like the seed that was thrown at the wayside. It cannot grow. It cannot flourish. If even you receive part, you realize that you miss it with pollution to the point that if you give it out to people, you minister death. You can't minister life to people. So, the, your outward nature, yourself, you are the, the old person in you. Uh, what the New International Version calls the sinful nature must be broken. That nature must be broken. You know, once you are broken and you allow the Spirit of God to take control, then you'll be able to bring your thoughts under the obedience of Christ Jesus. And then when there are, the revelation wants to come, and for instance, you receive a telephone call, it can break at that time. You are praying and you receive a telephone call, um, it can be broken. If somebody calls you and you come to yourself to, it will break. If it is a vision, you may not have it again. Unless specifically the Lord wants to drop something special, then he may bring it to you again. If even it is a church setting and we are praying, for instance, we are praying and suddenly a bell is rung or suddenly the prayer is dropped. If you are not careful to, the revelation will break. Or even we are singing, you know, as we are singing, as we are praying, 
Sometimes the revelation can come. If we are singing a song that has brought you some promptings, and then that song is broken, and a different one that does not follow that one at all is brought in, it will break. It will break. So some of us, when some people are leading worship, and then they break it with a different one, the person kills our spirit. <laughs> if you are somewhere else, you realize that the thing is broken, and then you need to meditate and pray before you may get it back. So we don't ask anybody at all to lead worship. The person who is leading worship should catch up with the spirit. The flow. If the Holy Spirit is leading, the persons bring another song and then the one that follows is automatic one. Like a computer. You say, if for instance a computer, you click worship. You see other uh, places that have worship flowing. So is the spiritual computer. Once you are in the realms of spirit and you bring one song, if the song is about holiness, other aspect of other songs that have holiness will be coming. And then you'll be singing and bringing the people up. If it is a prayer meeting that deepens the spirit, deepening a spirit is trying to establish or renew your relationship with God to the point that you become confident that the Almighty One is with you. You become confident, uh, confident with that and you are not afraid of anything. So it comes through your knowledge of the word and prayer. As you are praying and singing, deepening your spirit and somebody brings that song, then you see that the prompting may leave you and the idea may not develop. And therefore, spiritual issues too are very, very sensitive which we need to follow so the christian um, let me bring in that this 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 aspect there is a danger here the gift of god is irrevocable in other one in other words if god gives you a gift he gives it to you permanently but the gift can be polluted that is the issue. Pollution in the sense that if you don't develop it, the vessel is there, but the water that is in is dirty. The oil that is in is dirty. And therefore, that engine cannot function properly. That is the issue. So here, if for instance, a person has got the gift of prophecy, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, and we are praying, he may have some promptings. But because he has been living a carnal life, the thoughts are already polluted. He has been living in sin. And the things that he has been doing will be coming to his or her mind. So when the prompting comes, his human thoughts will mingle with these issues. And those ideas that will come out will be all his thoughts covering the revelation or the prompting that the person had. So it is dangerous to live in worldliness as a Christian, as somebody who is endowed with the grace of God. Yet the ideas is there. This is the idea. Let me explain the idea because it is very, very important. The Lord brings some prompting and then the idea developed by knowing that the Lord wants to speak to you. The Lord wants to show you something. 
the Lord wants to give you a song. The Lord wants to send you to a place. That is the idea. Getting the idea together with the prompting bring a burden. And this is the third aspect I'm speaking of. The third aspect. A burden. The burden is that you know that God wants to speak to you. Then you find an idea that he wants to speak to you or he, he wants to show you something. Yet at this time there is no revelation. So you would like to hear from him. You would like to know what he has for you. You would like him to show it to you. So on the one side, on the one hand, this is a burden. But on the other hand, the real burden lies ahead. The real burden is the revelation. It's the prophetic message that the Lord gives. Or the pictures that he will show you to deliver. That is the real burden. But this burden leads you to get the real burden, which is the oracle of the Lord. For us to understand it, I'll let us get into the Bible with few texts. Uh, first one is Isaiah 13. One. These are short, short verses. I'm just drawing your attention to the word burden. That I'm saying is the revelation or the, the message of the prophet. Isaiah 13, 1, from the New King James Version. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. The burden of the burden against Babylon, which the prophet saw. If you come to Isaiah 14, 28, this is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died. So here too, the vision he received, the message he had has been termed as a burden. Uh, Isaiah 21, 1, the burden against the wilderness of the sea, the message again is termed as burden. Let's come to Nahum 1, 1. Nahum. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the El Kushite. And then Habakkuk 1 1, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. And then I will end by bringing Malachi 1 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. So here you realize that the message given to the prophet is term as burden. If you come to versions like New International Version, uh, Revised Standard Version, uh, English Standard Version, that term burden has been translated as oracle. The oracle of the prophet Nehu. The oracle of the prophet Habakkuk. And then if you come to more modern verses like New Living Translation, uh, Good News Bible, you realize that the oracle has also been termed as message. Message. Now, why are they saying that? The term comes from the Hebrew term masao. Masao. And if you examine the term from biblical perspective, for instance, you realize that 
it signifies a burden or a load that had been put on an animal, like a donkey. In Exodus 25, 5, it reads that, and this is even English Standard Version, if you see the donkey of one who hates you, lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. No, so if it has a burden lying down, rescue that animal. So it signifies a load that had been put on an animal. And again, if you come to the Levites, the Levites had three families or, or three clients within the tribe. They had the Merylites, the uh, Gershonites, and then the Kohatites. These were the three type of clients within the Levites. And each client was assigned a special duty. When Moses was describing them, he used the, the word masal, that is a burden that had been given to the people. So if you read Numbers chapter 14, you see uh, lots of this, this particular word there. The service of the client of the Geshonites, you see that in serving and bearing their burdens, you get the term burdens there several times. So there, the term is used in connection to assigning responsibilities to people. If a responsibility is assigned to somebody, they will say that a burden had been given to that person. And Moses also used it when he was complaining